day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Welcome to First Draft. For this week, we are going to jump into oh, the thankless territory that I call cops. Mel and Todd, at once they're both fun, and then the flip side of that is in five years, somebody's like, Todd, you said this guy was going to be the next Cam Newton. And, you, and it's not really the case. You said, no, he's got Cam's size or he's got, you know, so-and-so's arm. So comps can be a little bit thankless, but I, you know, with the podcast space, we get a little bit more time to actually get into these, add a little bit of nuance to it and talk about where players remind you of other players. It doesn't have to be a perfect overlay, but something about I think a, a, way a good way something reminds you of somebody. A good way, Sprout, to look at it. In talking to GMs and scouts who, you know, are sitting in the draft meetings and just generally speaking, comps are helpful for coaches that get in the process later. General managers who are dealing with free agency and everything else throughout the season. When scouts can come in and say, okay, if this guy works out perfectly, if he's everything that you think he can be, and we maximize it. Who who's the player he could be? And then the flip side is if if he doesn't work out, what's the reason why or what's the weakness there? And is there a player who we've seen who's failed because of a similar reason? So it it can be helpful, but again, you know, it's it always is something that gets held against us. But whatever, let's do it. Let's rip. Mel, I want to start right off the top because I want to. Here's my question: Are we ever going to be able to compare? Kyler Murray to anybody but a guy like Russell Wilson. And by the way, maybe that Russell Wilson comp to Todd's point, yeah, it does, it does make sense. Um, but is there anybody else that comes to mind when you see a guy like Kyler Murray? Maybe Muggsy Bogues, uh, who was a heck of a <laughs> basketball player at Dunbar here in Baltimore, went to Wake Forest oh, and became a first round pick. Uh, in the there NBA and had a heck of Quick a career in the, with the Charlotte Hornets uh, and was a, a point guard and was yeah and that's what a point guard will be which is what I would say he's unique to the position he doesn't have a comp which is fine uh, Russell Wilson to me is not a comp um, just because of the body type um, and the way he was as a more of a pocket guy uh, I think you know Kyler Murray is a wild card that teams will try to figure out. That the hand size, we'll see. We've had Romo in the eights. We have Michael Vick in the eights. We'll see what, what happens with the hand size. It's going to be very interesting for Kyler Murray. You know, the body type, when people see him walk into a room and they're standing with him, how will that be viewed? If he is he 190, 195, what is he going to be? 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, I don't think there is a comp, Todd, on Kyler Murray. I think, I think Michael Vick is probably the closest one we've had. Just in terms of electrifying athlete. And, you know, everyone, people are saying, well, what about Lamar? What about Lamar Jackson? Better pass. Well, L- Lamar yeah. was a lot taller, a lean, I don't want to say leaner frame. Yeah. But if you, if you see Kyler up closely, he's, he's, he's more thickly built than people seem to think for his height. Um, but, it, but more, Kyler's way more importantly, yeah. way, exactly. Way more importantly, Kyler's a much better passer. And it's, it's really to me not even close. Now, Vic probably had a little bit of a stronger arm. And 
you know, you can do taller. I, I think the cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and taller, but the the speed, the quickness, but also that combination right. mm-hmm. with the ability to throw. And I think Kyler's more, a little bit more accurate than Vic was coming out of college. So you know, there are strengths and weaknesses. But if if I had you know gun to head, I would say Michael Vick is the closest thing that I've seen in my lifetime to to a Kyler Murray. Yeah, size wise, it would probably be Doug Flutie because he's been the smallest. Now he wasn't drafted mm-hmm. because he went in the USFL for big money and ended up coming into the NFL and held his own. It was a different but, league then. It was a different league. He was about five nine, five nine and a half, about one seventy five when he came out as a Heisman Trophy winner from Boston College. And that was a different era. That was a long, long, long time ago. But I think he would have been the one kind of outlier, uh, that unique player from a uh, even comparisons. He drew comparisons to Fran Tarkington. Okay, at the time, I remember that when you won a comp, the comp to Doug Flutie was Fran Tarkington. So you know that's again uh, when you go back. Fran who? <laughs> Minnesota Vikings, New York Giants, great career. Uh, George Bulldog, great career in the NFL. But no, I think when you look at Kyler, I think he is going to be one of those guys that it, you know you really have to evaluate as he is now for today's NFL. He comes in, I think it's a perfect storm with the way it is now. And I, I brought Muggsy Bogues because he will be a point guard. The quarterback like him will be a distributor and get the ball out quick. Be elusive, don't take hits. So uh, yeah, I'll go more to Muggsy Bogues than anybody. Guys, Dwayne Haskins, you're gonna you're gonna pound me, but I'm just gonna say this in terms of comps. Dwayne Haskins is gonna be about six two to six three, two twenty, and the thing that sticks out to me about Haskins is he can he can take the ball and drive it anywhere. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Matthew Stafford, exactly same size, six two six three two twenty. Now Stafford. Mel said when he was about nine, the kid was going to be the uh, the number one overall pick. Haskins won't be that guy, but in terms of just limited athletically, but he's able to drive the ball over all over the field. Mel, what else do you see from Haskins? Is there anybody else you remind you of? It's a hard one. I think that's a good call. I think yeah, the way he climbs the pocket and throws the football in that one year, and the Michigan game gave us a pretty good idea. He's not going to beat you with his legs. He no. can get a first down and run for six, seven yards if the you know, things break down. He sees a little opening. He can keep the chains moving with his legs. Uh, but uh, he's a, a traditional drop-back pocket passer, and uh, he's got a lot of confidence. Uh, the kid really believes that he's got everything it takes to be a great quarterback. He's kind of kind of studied it. He wants to be that, and uh, he's well on his way to being a top-six pick. But, yeah, I think that's fair. I didn't really have one on Haskins. Uh, but, you know, the, the Stafford thing, I don't, I don't think Stafford's arm is livelier. Um, but other than that, that's fair. Well, Stafford to me is, and I, I don't think Haskins is overly mobile at all. I'm not saying that. But, you know, he can move around better than, than Stafford can. Mm-hmm. And I think Stafford has a stronger arm, even though I think Haskins has a good arm. I went, I looked through it, and it's not, again, there's no perfect comp. But, Maybe a little Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of natural touch, timing, anticipation, can move around enough, can throw on the move, change his arm angles and do different things, but is not by any stretch of the imagination a, uh, a running threat. So I don't know. That, that to me, as I went through about 60 different quarterbacks in mm-hmm. the NFL, he was one guy that I could see some similarities. Mel, what other quarterbacks, are there any other quarterbacks in this class, before we jump around a bit, that stick out to you where you say something about that guy makes me think of 
so-and-so, player Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at – I've always thought about Drew Locke because of the big arm, and it's really hard. I was trying to look at guys, and I don't – again, you don't want to overrate it, but he's got the big arm. And, you know, a little – I always go back to Burt Jones, and I saw him at LSU with the Baltimore Colts. Yeah, he's got that uh, that great arm that that Burt had. Uh, You know, Burt can ran and was was closer to Stafford, in my opinion. If you were going to find, yeah, his arm is yeah, his live arm, the way he fires the ball. I told you, I got a call from a GM in the NFL back two years ago, Uh, not this past year, the year prior to that, when he didn't even come out and said, yeah, I I I just saw a guy's got the best arm in college football, and I I didn't Mm -hmm. even guess Drew Locke. I had others, no, Drew Locke. So Drew Locke has a rare arm, and I that's why I look at at Burt Jones, the Rustin Rifle. Uh, who uh, was a really good athlete as well. So, uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, that's the one I would probably go to. And I think it's, it's fair to, uh, to go to anybody who has elite arm strength. That would be Drew Locke. Todd, anybody else in this draft? Let's, let's jump around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Anybody else in this draft where maybe it's Bosa reminds you of his brother? That's simple. But are there any other players that stand out first round types where you say, Oh my gosh, this guy reminds me of somebody? Well, I was going back and looking at um, at because Trey Wingo asked a couple weeks a few weeks ago during the I think your mock draft, Mel, mm-hmm. which LSU DB, and we've had nine, and I went and looked it up. We've had nine LSU defensive backs wow. drafted in the first three rounds in the last eight years, mm-hmm. and there are so many different types. That he asked me which one does he remind you the most of. Well, when you kind when you look at the list. And I remember sitting there being like, ugh, I don't, you know, this is a tough one. You got Dante Jackson, Tyron Matthew, or more nickel guys. Mm-hmm. You got Jamal Adams, Eric Reed. Those guys are obviously safeties. just pure safeties. Mm-hmm. Greedy Williams isn't Patrick Peterson. No. I think he's a little bit more fluid than Tredavious White. I would say Morris Claiborne of all of the LSU DBs in the last eight years that we've seen, those nine guys in the first three rounds, would probably be the closest. Now, you know, Claiborne, things have not been perfect for him and, and all that. But just going back to the college tape and what he was. Mm-hmm. Because if, you, if you're looking at Patrick Peterson, he's not that guy. Because Peterson was so physical and long and strong. And, and complete. You know, with, yeah, yeah greedy, greedy is smooth and long, but he's not as not physical, physical as you want him to be. Exactly. So that, that's going to be the big knock on him. And, and the difference, I think, between him and some of the elite corners that we've seen come out of LSU or any other school, really. Yeah, lockdown. Patrick Peterson was arguably the best player in that draft. I think I had him number one in that draft because he was I can remember him and Julio Jones, Mel. Those battles that they had were epic. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a special guy. When you talk about a lockdown guy who was, like, arguably, and I had him number one, some didn't, but a lot lot of people I thought thought he was the best athlete in the draft. Just a a rare talent, and I don't think Greedy is that type of player. And I, I do think in the NFL today the concern with him will be tackling. And, uh, you know, again, just you, you can't play with 10 guys. It is a league of short passes uh, that are extension of the running game, kind of taking the place of the running game or the short passes. So instead of handing it off, you throw a little little bubble screen, you flip it to a guy coming in a jet sweep, or you do, but you got to be able to tackle in space and, and be physical and, and, and take on. I think for Greedy, I think that's going to be some, a question he's going to have to answer once he's in the NFL. Mel, what how about, about Quinn Williams with yeah, that's what I was gonna say. a little stronger Gerald McCoy? Pretty good play. I just think McCoy was taller. You know, I think they're both six four. Are they both six four? He just appeared. Yeah, I looked it up, and I didn't think McCoy appeared taller to me. Um, What's McCoy weigh coming out of Oklahoma? Two ninety, two ninety five. Okay, what's Quinn going to weigh? You think? 
He's listed at 295. I would guess he's right. I think Quinnen is thicker and stronger at the point of attack. But they both have that. You know, Aaron Donald is a different beast. He's a special creature. There's nothing like him out there. But he, they both have that suddenness where they get into the pads and then, you know, yep. all of a sudden they've, they've slipped mm-hmm. off you. They work the yep. edges of a blocker as okay. well as, as a lot of guys, you know, as, as the top guys do. Okay. All right. How about, and I said this before, I don't know if you heard, I've done it, I've said it a number, Devin White and Deion Jones. Mm-hmm. Because they're both LSU yep. and they both fly to the ball. 40 times will be comparable. Jonah Williams has that nasty streak. It's after you. I thought Brandon Sheriff. Uh, because he was a left tackle, people thought right tackle. Ultimately, he's fallen in at guard. Some people think Jonah Williams will be a center or a guard. We haven't talked about center for Jonah. Evidently, Alabama was even you know, thinking about that for 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 him. So, and he yep. wanted to be a tackle, wanted to stay out there. So, I'd say Jonah Williams with Brandon Sheriff. I thought T and I don't, uh, T J Hawkinson. He's a gifted talent. I think people are. I'm actually at the combine. What he does or pro day, but T J Hawkinson, Hawkinson, maybe Rob Gronkowski, Todd. Wow. Is he yeah. that physical though, Mel? Yeah, yeah, he is a physical kid, and he's got a lot of. He plays with know. a lot of swag. I think you know? he can get his. He can get that strong. He, I don't think he's as like no, that thick and strong now. yet. Yeah, yeah, but he's six yeah. five two, and he's got that swag. And I think that attitude, that the Gronkowski approach. Yeah, you know, he not plays be the same. Idea. Just like he, he's going to leave everything out there. I, yeah. I, I mean, I love the dude. Yeah, A.J. Brown, I thought maybe Jarvis Landry, when you talk about a slot guy who's big and can be physical, so I thought maybe that. Tommy Sweeney, I thought maybe Jack Doyle, uh, that type of guy. Jack uh, Doyle, yeah. Yeah, maybe Jack <laughs> Doyle, uh, you know, who has had a nice career. Yeah. Uh, you know, He's for a guy that was, yeah. uh, you know, people didn't think highly of enough coming out. Uh, yeah, I thought Sweeney to Doyle, but that, that's, uh, Marquise Brown, I thought maybe John Brown, um, yeah, or, what about Deshaun yeah. Jackson? Deshaun Jackson's a good one. Yeah, if you think he's going to be that, that, that small, you look at a smaller guy with tremendous uh, speed. There was one other one I had. Now think, I think Marquise Brown coming out of Oklahoma is the, the fastest receiver we've seen. Yeah. Play speed again. I've said it before. I don't know what he's going to run, and it really doesn't matter to me. I think he's one of the fastest receivers I, I've seen in the last yeah. five or so years. And, all and Deshaun the big, was that right, that same right. type of player. And the and the the ton of big receivers that we've gone through that laundry list of names of big physical receivers will all be compared to Alshon Jeffrey. What about DK Metcalf, my internet yeah, you, star? Where were you trying to go with that? Like you sent us a note. What was the note? I didn't get it. What was it, Chris? Who are you trying to compare him to? David Boston. Oh, <laughs> that's on, David. Bo- oh, okay. <laughs> DK um, Metcalf's out there looking. Can we go, Mike Evans? Yeah. I think we can. Now, here's the other thing. It had to be a Have you seen guy, him up Chris, close? Right? Have you seen DK up close? Uh, no, I haven't seen him up close. He is he is one of the most impressive specimens. Is probably not, not the right word. I I have I don't know that I've seen many wide receivers in person that look like he does. And he, it's not just like because David Boston to me, and it was before I started scouting, but I remember yeah. you know everyone remembers he was just. You know, juiced up and massive and had had some issues and all that. But this guy can move. Yeah. He is fluid. I mean, he he can get off the line. He knows how to beat the press. Now, he, he can become a better route runner, and there's some things. And obviously, he's coming off the neck injury. But I think he has a chance to be a, a big-time difference maker, a, a good starting number one, number two receiver, and a guy who can get vertical with that size and go up and win the, the jump ball. And, and a great, obviously, red zone 
threat and weapon as well. Well, it's going to be really interesting to see what he runs, Todd, because he's listed at 6'4", 230. He obviously looks every bit of that. But again, I'm told he's he's going to run low 4'4". Four well, that that should be just fine for him. There's some guys that, I mean, I remember the first time when I out in the combine when we were shooting uh, Jadavian Clowney. You see Jadavian Clowney, you shake his hand, you're like, holy cow, where the guy's absolutely – Huge in the sense that he's listed at you know two eighty two eighty five, but he he carries it. There's not there's not one part of him right. where you look at and you think that guy's not explosive. I mean he, he was he was the president. And that's, he was and that's why I asked you if, you if you've seen DK in person. Yeah, and I, I get it. I mostly kind of carries it on the, so the naturally. Just, you know, JJ Watt was the same way. Clowney is a perfect example. There are certain guys that you you would think are thirty pounds less. Than the listed number, and and not just listed, the verified number yeah. that you get at the combine and, and the workouts and all that. So, I, I think DK is going to he's going to be one of the guys if he's healthy and there's no medical issues coming off the neck injury, which I'm told he's fine. But you know, you're told that by by everyone at this point. And if the bar is not set too high, if you run a four four five Mel mm-hmm. at six four two thirty, that's rare. I mean, it w- yeah, that's rare. We don't see many of those. No. Now, the guy too, Todd, and I'll go back. Dexter Lawrence is going to be rare. Uh, here's a 340-pounder yep. defensive tackle from Clemson. They run the four nines. So I was looking at him, and I'll go way back, and I know it won't, this won't, names won't resonate with some of our listeners, but Sean Gilbert, Chester McLaughlin, uh, yep. the, the, the big guys who could be athletic and move and, and run and just be freakish talents. Uh, Dexter Lawrence from Clemson, I think once he tests, will really wow over some people and open a lot of eyes to what type of athlete he is. All right, guys, let's wrap this up. One final comp, Mel, Gardner Minshew. You want uh, Johnny Unitas? Who do you want? Gardner Minshew. Todd, uh, this is Chris Brown's Elway. favorite player. John John Elway. Elway. <laughs> Mel's Tony, number one rated prospect I'll, I'll, of all Tony time. Romo. There we go. <laughs> Guys, we're going to jump to the AFC East teams. Fans, enjoy it. We're going to spend a little bit of time on the Jets, Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, New Look Dolphins. We're going to do that, and we're going to get started right now. The New York Jets. The quarterback who had the highest QBR in the month of December was one Sam Darnold of the New York Jets. So, yes, obviously the season... Went sideways, kind of in a way that was not totally unexpected. A lot of young players. Um, but Sam Darnold really showed some things down the stretch. Yes, momentum doesn't always carry over to next season, but there's obviously a new head coach there. Uh, Greg Williams comes in as the D coordinator. Todd, I'm looking at this team and I keep thinking, I think they, I think they have their guy in Sam Darnold. I think that trade up worked out. They got a ton of money in free agency, and obviously in the draft. We were just talking about a guy like DK Metcalf. I mean, they need some playmakers in this offense. Where you're, you got Jermaine Curse. Oh, by the way, he's a uh, he's a free agent. You know, is Robbie Anderson and Quincy and Nunwa going to carry you into the future? I don't know, but that stands out to me. What do you see when you look at the New York Jets and their priorities in the draft and even free agency? Yeah, I, I I think you're right on in terms of the um, the playmakers. They they need guys around them. They need to protect them better. I mean, I I worry about Sam Darnold the same way I've worried about Andrew Luck throughout 
his existing career. That's an interesting. Are concept. they going to be able to, as an organization, get the right people around him to? And you don't. We've seen with Andrew Luck, you don't have to have a great roster. It's like Tom Brady. Like, look at all the rosters that they've had. Probably their best roster was was the year with Randy Moss that they did. They you know, almost went undefeated and they didn't win the Super Bowl. Every other year, you look at their rosters, and it's like oh, a bunch of guys who are just average. They go on to other places, and they're not very good. But just put competent people around him and guys who can do something, and you got a chance. And so I, I think they've got to find some, some young guys, but also some mid-level veterans who know the game, who understand how to get open, who know – kind of details of football and and can separate just a little bit their receivers are below average at best they don't have a difference making tight end they need another running back i mean Bilal powell um isaiah crowell are, are solid but they could use a difference maker and I, I just think when you look at this draft yes they're going to have to go defense first if they unless they are able to trade back which is what i would do if they could kuiper's always trading back and i, I would agree in this case if you can get a team to come up take advantage of it you finally have your quarterback so take advantage of picking the top five and get a team like the Giants or Jacksonville or Miami or whoever it is to come up and take that spot so that you can get multiple picks in the first few rounds to go after some guys they need edge rushers they could get a defensive tackle if they sit at three and Quinn and Williams maybe if he's there but I would much rather get three guys in the first three rounds than get Quinn and Williams and to me, that would be the attack that I would have if I were the New York Jets. And real quick, I think the trading up, the Giants are at six. If they want Dwayne Haskins, I think getting the three, I think teams are going to try to get to that third spot. The Jets would like to recoup that two, get some extra picks. It would be interesting if the Jets, after taking Darnold, after the Giants took Barkley and allowed the Jets to get Darnold, the Jets say, okay, we'll allow you to get Haskins, go up to three, get your guy, we'll go back to six, pick up some extra draft choices. So it would be interesting to see if that happens but I do think uh, the Jets could move out of there uh, and I agree uh, you know every their whole emphasis their whole point of emphasis should be helping Sam Darnold as much as they can you know it's interesting in recent years Todd obviously they moved up last year but the Jets have actually benefited from teams moving up the board to take the quarterbacks Leonard Williams was once there for them at number six obviously Jamal Adams they're thrilled with him Pro Bowl type for a while he was there because teams were jumping up. It's going to be really interesting to see if, say, a team feels they need to get up to number one to get a Haskins. Say a team needs to get up to number two to get a Murray. You, crazy things happen when teams have their mindset on getting quarterbacks. There's also a scenario where a Nick Bosa somehow or a Quinn and Williams or just one of these true blue chip types is there for them at number three. And again, we know that because it's happened in the past. I think Leonard Williams was number one or number two on each of your boards the year he got there at six. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It really is because you just you never know, and I, I, it's tough because I truly believe studying the history of it. While Nick Bosa and Quinnen Williams appear to be as close to can't miss as as possible. You still have to look at it and say, okay, well, Nick Bosa's been injured. Joey's been injured. When Joey's on the field, he's been amazing. When Nick's been on the field, he's been amazing. But are we going to get a guy who's consistently going to be on the field for the next 
seven, nine years, you know, averaging 14, 15 games a year? Are we going to get that? And with Quinn in one year, I love what I saw in the one year, but, you know, he's, he's coming into his own. Was this a, just a contract year? Or is he going to work like that? And I think he will. I'm not, I'm not poking holes, but I, what you have to do as an evaluator is look at, okay, what could go wrong as well? And if you look at that part of it and say, all right, I, would, I think I would rather get an offensive lineman with this pick. If, if I could move back, I get an offensive lineman, a running back, and like a, I'm, who knows, like in the second, third round, like a Damian Harris, an offensive lineman who you think can be a starter and help protect Sam, and then a wide receiver, a big guy, like a Nikhil uh, Harry from Arizona State, mm-hmm. just throwing out names. I think I would rather have those three guys knowing that you're probably going to hit on two of them as really good players versus just taking a shot at one. And that's kind of the, I don't know, to me, it would be my philosophy if I'm the Jets. Now, again, if you could see the the Giants move up to two and then no other team try to move up and see what happens with Kyler. And all of a sudden, the Jets have to make a pick at three. And if that's the case, maybe Bosa goes one. You've got Haskins going two. And now you probably take Quinn and Williams because he's the best available player. And it makes sense. But if you get a shot to move back, I think that would be the way I would roll. The Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, and it seems to be a bit of a Sean McDermott staple, were a much better defensive team last year than I tend to think people realize. Depending on the metric you use, you could pick one out, FBI, outsiders, whatever. You're basically talking about a top five type of defense last season. Again, it was the offense that brought them down. They they felt like they needed to transition from Tyrod Taylor. Josh Allen um, played a lot more football than I think maybe we would have guessed. And maybe, you know, certainly people like Mel, who said the guy needs some time, would have hoped. So now, once again, they're picking at number nine. Mel, you tend to think, wow, this is a team that they need to get some, mm-hmm. they, need to, they need to block better for Josh Allen. They could use some help for Josh Allen. Passing game, run game. But again, at number nine on this board, mm-hmm. It's you might have to give up a little bit of value to get that guy. Is this another team I think Mel that could be in the trade down conversation? Depends how they feel about three different entities. I think okay. T.J. Hawkinson, tight end. They have a couple tight ends that are okay, but Hawkinson would be a major upgrade. D.K. Metcalf, if you want to stretch it a bit for a receiver, or move down and think you can still get him, or Marquise Brown and move out of there, or even move down and get Hawkinson. An offensive lineman like Jonah Williams. Jawan Taylor, somebody like that. So there's going to be some offensive guys that they feel like there's so many offensive guys that we like. We know we can get one or two of them. will still be on the board if we move down. That's certainly a possibility. You talked about the defense, and I saw all the Buffalo games this year. As I saw all the Jet games. Went back and watched them all because of the young quarterbacks. The defense was really good because I think early in the year, when they started out thinking, okay, we can go with Nathan Peterman, and then we went to Josh. The teams knew they didn't have to score a lot. So they they knew that, hey, just to be conservative, this defense. So that kind of made the defense better. The defense was solid all year. But I think people went in with a mindset. And I think late in the year, midway point, that they, found, they found that this quarterback's making plays and doing a lot with very little and going 5-5 five and five in games he started and finished. So maybe they, they, they offensively picked it up to the point where they surprised some people. They had the running game. The offensive line, I thought, got better. It was awful early. Got better as the year went along. 
They got to have weapons. They had a ton of drop passes. They had a ton of penalties that were critical plays. He would throw, Allen would throw a third down pass complete, call back for a penalty. Throw another third down, call back for a penalty. So many plays were ruined by penalties, drop passes, killed drives, drop passes, killed him in Miami on two occasions late to win that first Miami game in Miami that they had. Allen made a great throw to the five, dropped in the end zone, dropped. Uh, so again, yeah, uh, supporting cast, as Todd said, for Arnold is so critical for Josh Allen as well in Buffalo. Mel, where are you sitting right now? I'm sitting in the TV radio room. Comfort, you know, comforts of the the Kuiper compound, right? Uh, yes, this is a, the, the chair is a little squeaky, but other than that, uh, yeah, it's it's because you shake on it. Yeah, I'm looking at every it every here. week. Uh-huh. It's the same thing. You sound so good, and I'm like, I'm on like the side of a highway, two lane <laughs> highway. I've got a meter made. Literally oh, looking no. right now at my meter, oh, and I've no. got about two minutes left, and she's staring me down. Oh. There's snow on the side of the road, sleet coming down, trucks rolling by. I barely hear anything you're saying, but anyway, not complaining. Jeez, you, do um, the, you do the podcast from an igloo every week, huh? Yeah, every week. Every week it's something. The, the Wi-Fi is not working. You camp but, out. You, you're the camp out guy. I'm, I'm the I'm the friendly confines, the, cre- the comforts <laughs> Although of home. People should, uh-huh. people should know. And I've been busting you for years on this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You're coming to the Combine this year. Because Dang. they are opening the doors to us. <laughs> Finally. Okay. Yeah, Finally, yeah, right? Yeah, the, exactly. I, why, people say, why would I go? be a waste of time going when you can't get in. I can watch it on TV like you did. I go back Todd. to the hotel and watch the NFL yeah, you, Network yeah. in years yeah. past, and finally we're allowed yeah. in. ABC, yeah. We're, yeah. we got the, yeah. the quarterbacks. It's going to be a fun day. Yeah, as I, I said, I'm going to have to show you around to, uh, to I can't Indianapolis. Wait. Can't wait. As I said to a writer this week who didn't obviously understand what I was talking about, it was a waste of time when I couldn't get in. Okay, because I can get evaluate juniors who aren't next year's prospects. They're juniors on for this year's draft. Another mistake, but this year's guys, 140, <laughs> which is a record number. You can get a lot done if you can't get in. Now that we're in, okay. Now that we're in the combine, big difference for being outside looking in. Uh, it is something that can be a very valuable tool and be a lot of things we're looking forward to. And of course, Kyler Murray makes even. I'll bring more a stopwatch for you, Mel. Uh, I, I'm just going to rely on the. I'm relying on the official. We've seen in the. Past time when I was home and you were you know, watching on TV from your hotel or whatever, how many unofficial times did we get that we say, wow, that was a 4-3-8? Wow, they became a 4-5-2? Okay, how many times All did that them. happen Papa over the Cassidy's, years where, where you get Papa this? Cassidy's laser timing. I mean, I'm not going by. I don't, I'm not doing anything except just give me the official printout. Just give me the official. Yeah. That's all. I, too many. No, times what would happen get, is we would we would get we would get Casserly on NFL Network, right? <laughs> and he was all, he had the most generous thumb in the business. Oh my, oh, generous! <laughs> it, was, it was Christmas, yeah. <laughs> right? And then and then I would get a printout from from guys in the league who'd come back from their interviews and different things at night, and Buddy would just throw throw their printout of just, of what their scouts had under the door, and I would wake up in the morning and get it, and those would be. Good, and then you would get the ones. It's like five days after the draft right. where they official. I don't know why it takes us so long anymore. It's ridiculous. But anyway, year, hopefully, it's uh, it's like three different times, and all of a sudden, this guy who we were like, "Whoa, he ran a four three three," and then it's like, "Oh no, he ran a four four five. and then you get the officials like, "Ah, four five one." It's such a big difference. I mean, yeah. I like I'm not going to completely change my grade on a player, but the difference between a four three three and a four five one at receiver or corner huge. is huge. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, we got it off on a rant. Who are we talking about? The Bills. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you going to take at number nine, Todd? I guess that's the final question. You're the Buffalo Bills GM. If I'm the Bills, 
as Mel said, we need we need a playmaker. We need a difference maker. I think I don't know that Marquise Brown is worth drafting that high, but I would like to get a vertical receiver for a guy like Josh Allen, who has an arm like very few in the league and can exploit you defensively, especially with the ability to move around on broken plays. One or two plays a game can be like seven or nine plays from a, an efficient offense. So everything can go bad for for 15 plays, and all of a sudden he breaks the pocket. It's like Roethlisberger. You give him Antonio Brown, who can get vertical, and all of a sudden if you've got a guy down the field who's been able to, after four or five seconds, because your quarterback extended the play, to get down the field and then he can make a throw. We, I mean, we saw it at Wyoming. We saw flashes of it this year. He can make some throws that very few quarterbacks we've ever seen in the league can make. So I would try to find some weapons that could take advantage of that. And obviously, you know, Mel went through all the different holes that they have on the offensive and defensive side. But they, with, you know, Eric Woods and um, Incognito, and then they've got two free agents this year coming up on the offensive line. They've got to be able to protect better because he's not going to be able to run as much as he did and stay healthy throughout his career. The Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins have got to be feeling optimistic um, with the offseason addition of Brian Flores, who, again, there's a long history of Belichick, the knockoff, not coming close to Belichick, the head coach. But Brian Flores is a little bit different, hasn't been there forever, and Brian Flores comes from the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, obviously was a part of the game planning of just kind of a brilliant Super Bowl plan. So there's some optimism in Miami. But we know for a fact that this team is moving on from Ryan Tannehill. There have There is no secret there. There obviously isn't another clear uh, starter on this roster. So you go into the offseason wondering if you're going to move up or stay put and draft a guy like Kyler Murray or if you're like in a market for a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. So there's that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, that's where this team really struggled last year. Cameron Wake's not going to play forever, I think. And beyond that, they have some young pieces they like, but the defense, for the most part, really struggled. A bottom 10 outfit. Mel, I'll let you get started here. How are you lining up your priorities if you're Flores in this in this front office? Well, your priority is quarterback. And again, you know the whole Kyler Murray, will he be there at 13 deal? Um, what's Miami going to do at that particular spot? If, if he's gone, uh, do you look at Drew Locke, uh, the quarterback from Missouri? The, the quarterback issue is there. Obviously, Joe Flacco is now a Denver Bronco. What happens with Nick Foles? Uh, you know, there's other options out there, but certainly quarterback is number one. Then you go, obviously, you think about the offensive line, but def- and a receiver, Defensively, more of an end. Charles Harris hasn't done what they had hoped he would do. Robert Quinn's not going to be around. Cameron Wake's 37 now. Uh, they have some stars on this team with Howard the corner, Tunsil at the, on the, uh, the offensive tackle spot, and, and Minka Fitzpatrick certainly has a ton of ability and, and showed well. So they have some individual talent, uh, but I think quarterback would be front and center to try to figure, especially in a division where you have 
Brady, who's going to play by two, three more years. Uh, but then you have the new, the young guns, we want to call them, the young guns, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, who are destined to be great quarterbacks in this league. And there you are, Miami, sitting there with a big question mark. You gotta, you gotta answer that at some point and have your guy. And, uh, we'll, it'll be fun to see what Miami decides to do, whether it's, you know, Murray if he's there, whether it's another quarterback or going the more of a, the veteran route with Nick Foles. All right, so you're the general manager, Mel, and you're looking at your situation. How is the head of the Miami Dolphins looking at what they need and what they've been? How do you not do everything you can to go get a guy? Now, when I say that, tell me who you think is the answer. I think Haskins has a chance. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think Kyler Murray, if you're all in and have the right offensive minds around him and are willing to to basically design everything around him, that you got a chance to be successful. And if you decide you love one of those two guys, how do you not throw everything at Arizona at one, San Francisco at two, Jets at three, if you get if it comes down to that? How do you not? Because, it, I mean, Nick Foles is a band, like, he's a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. He really is. The, look at the Eagles roster and what they had around him, the coaching staff they had, how they utilized him, the defense and everything else. He's not going to have that success very many places, and certainly not with the Miami Dolphins. So to me, nothing else really matters. You can go offensive line, you can go wide receiver, you can get an edge, you can do all mm-hmm. that. If you don't have a quarterback... If you're the Miami Dolphins, you don't have a chance. Right. And so I would I would give away pretty much everything to go up and get one of these guys if I fell in love with them. And Haskins is as close as I'm going to get unless I think I have an offensive mind that can – develop and utilize Kyler Murray the way he will have to be utilized in the NFL. Yeah, they are on a total rebuild. They've already admitted that. Okay, It's a total yes. rebuild in Miami. And it's always been, there's also been kind of like a thought that, okay, if we are totally rebuilding and we're going to kind of bottom out, we're going to be one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the NFL, especially in that division with the two young guns and Brady playing another two or three years, we could be looking at the number one pick. We could be looking at Tua. We could be looking at Justin Herbert. The following year, we could be looking at, at Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. You know, again, Are you going NBA now? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that if you're the Miami Dolphins and it is a total rebuild and you're being, I would call the, I would say the word is realistic, Todd. If you're going to be realistic as an organization, then you say, okay, these guys could be in play if we go and get Haskins or Murray. And I think this is what you have to do. And I, I think when I say in play, Haskins, Murray graded against Trevor Lawrence a couple of years from now, and certainly for next year, Tua and Justin Herbert. How do you feel about those two next year as opposed to the two this year? If you're gung-ho on Haskins and Murray, if you're like, Murray's special, he's an outlier, but he's a you know, freakish talent, he's special, and Haskins is a guy who's gonna, who could, should, should be the number one pick. If you think that way, and Herbert had, did not have a great year, had a, a relatively disappointing year, that's why he went back to Oregon, wise move on his part. Then you think of Tua, well how tall is Tua gonna be? Tua struggled when, at, at times, you know, and he had some issues staying mm-hmm. 100%. So you can kind of talk yourself into Haskins and Murray very easily and figure, hey, Trevor Lawrence is so far down the road, we can't be projecting to have the number one pick. Yeah, a couple, I, that's too far. But I think if I come in as fair, a new head coach, right. if, if I come in as a new head coach, so I, right. so you so wait, you guys organizationally want us to suck for the next yeah. two years? 
I call Before it real, I, call it re- I call it realistic, being realistic, Todd. No, I, 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 I understand. Know, as an, I, and not more but, as a coach, but more as a person. Now thinking, okay, these two guys could be in play. Maybe they won't, but they could be, because it's just hypothetical. Right. They could be. How do we feel about them as opposed to these? And I think you could make a, a point that it's better to get Haskins or Murray right now than worry about if we get the number one pick and we take these guys, then we can't take two and we can't take Herbert. Yeah, I don't know that Herbert is... Tua is different. If if he continue, if he stays healthy and shows that he can stay healthy and shows that, I think a little maturity and some toughness and adversity and those sorts of things. I'm you know there's some. I'm not a hundred percent on him. Trevor's too far down the line. That's mm-hmm. the issue. I'm so right. I, yeah, I, I would. I think I would rather take a shot this year. And if it doesn't work out with Haskins, even after one year, then maybe you're, you're in position. But I don't, I don't know. I hear you. It, philosophically, I think there are a lot of people in the league that think that way. But if you if you really do like one of these two quarterbacks, if I'm the Dolphins, I, I'd, I'd give away a few picks and, and go up and get one. The New England Patriots. Last offseason, the New England Patriots wouldn't match what the New York Giants would pay for left tackle Nate Solder, a guy they had drafted in the first round years ago, developed, and for the most part, he'd been pretty solid there for a while. So what they did was they went to San Francisco, plucked a right tackle named Trent Brown out, put him at left tackle, and the 6'8", 380-pounder was absolutely great for the most part uh, right through a Super Bowl win. So... Cut to this offseason, and here we go again. Trent Brown might have priced himself out of the plans, but wouldn't you know it, the Patriots have a guy named Isaiah Wynn who they drafted to play that position sitting there. Uh, He was injured this last year. So yet again, it looks like the team, as they often do, have a plan at a position that might not be what everybody sees clearly, but it seems internally that they have something set up there. That said... You throw out names like Philip Dorsett, Chris Hogan, and maybe even Rob Gronkowski are all possibilities to not be back. You throw out a name like Trey Flowers could get really costly. Uh, what are the McCordys going to do? Is free agency or a retirement out there for them? Bottom line, as usual, it seems certain that there's going to be a bunch of changes in New England, and maybe we'll say, oh, that's, that, that's a bad one. Uh, but I don't know if anything will ever really change. So what do you think, Todd? I mean, where are you? Obviously, the team's drafting really low yet again. Where are you looking just broadly at this roster this offseason? This is the first time I've ever said this. And every single time we've had this conversation, you can go back and And listen for years. this. This is the first time that I have ever thought, okay, we're looking if i'm if i'm running the patriots we're looking at turning the page a little bit because brady for the first time ever in my opinion has started to show his age he's not the same guy including the super bowl really quietly that was the worst performance of his in a super bowl ever he really struggled no, no question and listen if i'm a patriots fan listening to this right now i'm like yeah, you know you know, you know what off. Yes. You know, bleep off. You guys are crazy. Everyone says this every year. I get it. I live in I live in Boston. I understand. And I've been saying the same thing back to every analyst who said it for the last several years. 
but this is the first time. I mean, Gronkowski's not the same guy. No. It, it, it looks like he's falling apart every single game. He was able to hang in there, and he grinded, and he had some some of the biggest moments in the biggest games, but I don't know that it's sustainable for the next few years. Brady's starting to decline for the first time ever, and I, I haven't seen it at all until this year. And then you look at everything else, and it's always been just kind of very average but team-oriented football. So as long as Belichick's there and running things, he's going to have a team that all works together. But they have got to find, in my opinion, the next quarterback. And then they've got to find some of the types of weapons that they've been able to utilize that are a little bit younger and have fresher legs and can last for a full season. And it starts with tight end. To me, it would be quarterback tight end because those are two of the the fundamental aspects of what have made them so successful for so many years. You know, I'm looking at the board now, Todd. If you're picking where they are, do you think Drew Locke's going to be there? And right now I'd probably say no, okay? that he, I think he'll be gone by the time they pick. If you look at a tight end, Hawkinson's going to be long gone. Irv Smith Jr., would you look at him from Alabama? I'm with you on Gronk. Gronk's deciding, is he going to play? What's going to happen? You know, one more year maybe, maybe not. Tom Brady till 45. That's only three years. Well, it'll be 42 when this next season begins. Okay, so you got to start thinking. I agree. But what quarterback? Daniel Jones from Duke? You say he's my guy. The Senior Bowl week wasn't didn't go his way. The game, he was the MVP kind of by default because it was a defensive game. Um I'm not sold 100% on Daniel Jones being a big-time NFL quarterback, but he's got a lot of things that make you think he could right. maybe so, be pretty so good. So Daniel Jones, Ryan yeah. Finley, some, I, you know, just, just take one this year, then take one next year. You're saying at 32. And just keep, take one at 32. If it's not 32, then move up from your second-round pick. Yeah. You know, I, I to me, I mean, they found Garoppolo in the second round. Obviously, Brady was the unicorn in the sixth round. But I would just keep taking hacks for the next couple of years, knowing that Brady's still going to be there for a couple of years, but that this thing's coming to an end, and I think quicker than people are willing to admit, at least in this area of the country. You know, it's fascinating, Todd. You pointed this out, I think, when we discussed this team last year, but it's really a misnomer to say that it's always just been about Brady and that they're going to continue to ride him. The Patriots have drafted as many quarterbacks as any team in the NFL over the last seven or eight years. They've just done it in a way where they're not, it's obviously not going to be a first-round pick, but Garoppolo was a second-round pick. Jacoby Brissett, when he came out of it, was yes. a three or a four, I think. Yeah, yeah I think he was a late late three, yeah. But they've taken these guys. Sometimes but they, they also they went and they got, they've gotten players for them. They've gotten players for them. So they understand kind of in a way that – I mean, Andy Reid used to do this in Philly with guys like Feely and Kevin Cobb. They draft quarterbacks, and they, in a way, they have them there, and they develop them, and and in another way, they kind of market them. So the idea that if the Patriots take a quarterback, even at the end of round one, or certainly at the end of round two, that, oh, okay, here, you know, uh, this is it. This is the transition. We never know because, Mel, I I think I've been working with you for 10 years, and each year – it's at least a discussion, and it rightfully should have been that, okay, maybe the Patriots are going to take a guy and start to develop him, but they never seem to know the end game because we're dealing with a unicorn in Brady. So, yeah, I, it is interesting. They could take a quarterback. They could take Daniel Jones at the end of round one, and I still don't know 
because of how unique it, it has been and continues to be, whether that means that Daniel Jones is the future of the of the position for the New England Patriots or if he's <laughs> flipped in a year or two for another two because Brady refuses to age. So it'll be really interesting to see. Um, but I know this about their off seasons. They, they continue to have off seasons where we say, oh, they're generally sat out or that, you know, they weren't too active. That's, that's just reality when you are drafting at the end of rounds and it's reality, um, with the way they approach free agency. We have hit the AFC East. We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to get to a bit of your mail. And Todd, I really want to find out on the other side of this break if you've been arrested yet by the meter maid. No, I ran out. I, I pressed mute at one point when Mel was talking, ran out and threw three more quarters in. <laughs> you can expense that. <laughs> Todd, I'll let you take this one. Brandon Crockett at Brandon Crockett asks, with the recent injury to Jeffrey Simmons, um, coupled with some off-field concerns that were already, you know, mm-hmm. baked into the eval. Um, where do you see him? Where do you see him landing? This is a tough one because we've talked about it before. Strictly as a football evaluation, he, in my opinion, is one of the five to seven best players in this draft. You've got the off-the-field issue, which is very significant. You've also got the maturity that he's had over the last few years and all of the glowing reports you get from the school. And then you've now you have the injury on top of it. So there's a lot to factor in here. Um, again, some, some teams will have Simmons taken off the board because they just absolutely will not deal with, with the type of issues that, that he has had in the past. And I think more teams will look at it and say, well, he's, he was a young, a young guy and he's, he's grown up a lot. But now you've got to, again, factor in the injury. End of the day, I still think he's going to be a first round pick, but probably later first round, whereas it wouldn't have surprised me at all if he was a top 10 pick prior to the injury. I would say two teams, Todd, and I'm doing the mock for Monday. Chargers at 28, Rams near the end of the first could take him and know that, hey, I got a guy who's a top 10 talent that I'm getting in the late first round. Even if you have to put him, you know, in medical, you know, red shirt for a year, so be it. You saw Jalen Smith, who at one point thought was going to be a top five, top 10 pick, go, you know, in the early second round when a lot of people left fourth or fifth round that year with such a significant injury that he sustained late in the year in that bowl game against Ohio State that he might drop to the fourth round. He went early on the first picks in the second round. So if he can go that high, I don't see why Simmons, whose injury didn't appear to be nearly as bad, to not go in the late first round. And, I'll and, give you- and Seattle's a team to look at at 21, and then Oakland obviously 24 and 27 would be a few other spots where I think he could land. I'll tell you what, in one other, Mel, you mentioned Jalon Smith, but don't forget Sidney Jones mm-hmm. uh, from Washington. Sidney Jones, I think Todd had him as his top cornerback on his board, top 15 type. Sidney Jones popped an Achilles uh, at his pro day, and yep. he still went 43 overall. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. You know, if the tape is there, it's it, some of these guys. They don't fall as far as you think, so it's it's pretty interesting. Mel, you can take this one. Tyler Olson asks: Do Jonah Williams and Cody Ford have a chance to go in the top ten? And do you see a future franchise left tackle in this draft? No, number one, I don't a franchise. When you say franchise, maybe you know, Little's got talent, but he didn't play up to it. You know, Dillard was the <laughs> great pass blocker at Washington State and all that, but no, not an elite top ten guy. Williams, I'm on the fence with. I'm I'm looking at Jonah Williams now, maybe getting to, 
Could he get down to Minnesota at 18? Is he going to go to Buffalo at 9? Or That's the range, that 9 to 18 range for Jonah Williams, who probably will be a guard center, more of a guard probably, like a Brandon Sheriff, who went in the top group. But you know, would they take him now that high? I don't know. Um, you know, you look at uh, you know the situation with Ford. I'm looking at Ford now, Todd. Maybe late first. Uh, you know, he's not going to be a tackle. I don't. He's going to be a guard. I'd say somewhere in that 25. To, I'd say he's probably 25 to 40 guy is what I would say Ford is. Uh, where Joe? If he gets bumped higher. up, it's because there's no offensive lineman and a team team just needs it. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of guards that you say, okay, a Lindstrom from Boston College. You could also like, you know, you think of, I like McGovern at Penn State. Uh, there's a lot of guards this year. Yeah, you, know, you get it down to even Davis at Charlotte. So there's a lot of guards. Do you, do you want to do uh, take one that high? But I think Jonah is interesting because he's not a left tackle. Is he a right tackle? He'll more than likely, I say, as I said, be a guard or center. Yeah, you know, like I say, I'd say the range for Jonah would be, I'd say, a fair range would be nine to eighteen. Todd, I'll let you take this one, and it might be a book that you'd have to write to answer it, but you know, you can take a chance and do it in 30 seconds, too. It's, but it is an interesting question, and it's very, very relevant to this year's draft, certainly the first round. Jason Lloyd asks, is it harder to evaluate each individual Clemson D lineman because the entire group was so good? How can you tell their success isn't because of all those guys they played around? Um... I, I don't think it is. I actually, I don't think it's as hard as people seem to think. I, I do think, I would say it's harder because they didn't face a ton of great competition throughout the season. So they're they're exploiting some offensive linemen that they're just not that level of competition is not going to be what they see in the NFL. Um, but I think it's it's pretty clear at this point, especially with the guys coming back for another year, who these players are. Dexter, you are trying to develop because you know he's a special talent. And you saw as a freshman when he was 100% healthy what he could be. He's never going to be an elite pass rusher, but he can be highly disruptive and he can be an unbelievably uh, disruptive force in the middle in terms of, of the run game. Now, Christian is the versatile guy, the most productive player, and the best football player of the three, in my opinion. Cleveland Farrell is... A good edge rusher with good tools who got better and was always productive. But he's the one guy I think may have benefited the most, probably, from their scheme, how aggressive they were, how they were just about every game out to a big lead, and he could get after the quarterback. And so his production was always excellent the last two and a half years. Um, I think he's, again, a very good player. I don't know that he's what we would classify as an elite top five top seven type pick but I think he's a first round talent and then Austin Bryant to me probably you know he he's the guy he's a mid-round talent that that got a lot of attention because he had some production but I don't know you know they helped each other no question I think I'm going on 45 seconds now but to answer it I think we've seen enough tape of all of these guys where you you know what kind of football players they are I think the buzz will be, and I said earlier in the podcast, I think the buzz by the time we get after the combine through pro days, the buzz guy will be Dexter Lawrence. Mel, you can wrap this up. Um, I can't verify the research on this, but Darth Blunt 47 asks, in the last 10 years, only three inside backers have gone in the top 10. He cites Rolando McLean, Keekley, and Roquan Smith last year. Will one of them go in the top 10 this year? And who is that? 
Devin White's borderline, um, you know, the 8 to 11, Todd, I think, do you have him 12 to Green Bay? I don't really, you know, Cincinnati at 11. I mean, yeah. I think 8 to 12 is fair on Devin White um, because of the way the game has changed and linebackers, I wouldn't say phased out, but now that's a different linebacker you're looking for. And I think he does fit the kind of linebacker, as I said, to Deion Jones, what he's doing at Atlanta. He means that Atlanta Falcons defense. You saw what happened when he was hurt this year. Um, so I would think he would. Devin Bush definitely fits that um a bush to me is in that 20 to 32 range um i haven't finalized where i had him going to pittsburgh you know all along i don't know where i will put him right now i'm still looking at that i finished the mock tomorrow to be up on monday but i think those two are first round caliber players after that um and Todd, you can try. I mean, Mac Wilson, I, I didn't think had the year I expected. He did not have the year I think he's capable no. of having. I thought he should have gone back. He's coming out. I think he's a second round pick. Joseph from Florida, I think, is more of a third round pick. I, you know, David Long's interesting, but more of a three. Uh, Okariki, I, I don't see any of these other linebackers more than third round types. Uh, maybe if you want to push them up into the late second, fine. I think the only two first round caliber inside linebackers are obviously Devin White, and I think Devin Bush is as well. Guys, we hit comps, the AFC East, and a bunch of mail. Tons of questions come in. Sorry we couldn't get to all of them, but uh, try again next week. Maybe I'll save a few of these. Todd, glad to hear you're not arrested or frozen uh, in your car. Mel, as always. Get that um, chair fixed, Mel. Never. Yeah, uh, but I'm Chris. We got Mel, Todd, Josh. We will uh, do it again next week, and then I think uh, we're in Indy. Wow. Mel's in Indy. It's going to be big. All right, guys. We'll do it again next week. That's First Draft for this week. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.